I, I told the first service this. I, I, I know y'all get probably, you're probably used to me saying this or get tired of it, but every week when I come in here and I get the chance to listen to our, our, uh, our band play and our praise team sing, I am always blessed. They just do such a great job. And the songs they sang, that last song is just so powerful. I love that song. Uh, today we are con- we're almost about to conclude our series, Unshakable Truth. And, of course, all the music that we've been singing today is just sort of moving towards uh, the basic message of the Scripture we're going to be looking at today. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to look in verses 13 and 14. And our focus today is going to be on the power of truth. And, there, I, and we live in a time right now, and just sort of in society and culture, whenever you talk about truth, there's a lot of, there's some disagreements about what exactly is truth. And so because of that, we miss out on the power of truth. And we're going to see that the ultimate power of truth is what we just got finished singing about, the powerful name of Jesus. Now the question is, well, how can that truth, how can truth impact and make a difference, not in just my life, but in the lives of the people around me. And so that's we're just going to sort of look into that today. Uh, but I, I heard a story, it was a pastor telling the story about a couple that had just gotten married. And so they, they had their wedding receptions, one of those really long wedding receptions. Everybody had to dance, everybody had to eat. And so the couple, they, they caught a, a plane flight, they were going to their honeymoon destination. And when they got there, it was just really late. And so the couple, they were worn out, they were tired. And they went into their honeymoon suite room, and when the, the husband opened the door up, he walked in, and the only thing he saw was he saw a couch and a television. And that was it. He's like, man, what? That's a great honeymoon suite. And so he walks in, and he's just tired, and he said, we'll deal with this in the morning. And he walked over to the couch and realized, fortunately, it was one of those, you know, pull-out beds. And so he pulled it. He pulled the bed out of the couch, and they got on it, and it was, it was horrible. I don't know how many of y'all have ever slept on one of those pull out beds and a couch. None of them are ever any good. And so they, you know, they laid down on it. So it was lumpy. The springs are going into his back. He just didn't sleep well at all. And the next morning he got up and the first thing he did is he went downstairs and just, I mean, he chewed out the receptionist down there. And she kind of looked at him and said, this is a honeymoon suite. What kind of a suite is that? And she looked at him and said, didn't you open the door? And he said, you mean the closet door? She was like, it's not a closet door. And so he went back into his room. When he opened it up, that's where the room was. I mean, there's a huge bed in there. There's a basket of fruit on the bed. There was candy laying down on the bed. Now, now he just simply, he missed out on that room because he just didn't see it. And, and I think there's a lot of us who are like that, or a lot of people like that, when they look at, at, at our faith and they look at Scripture, that they just don't see all of the truth. They don't see all that God offers us. They might say, well, what, what is the truth of what Scripture teaches? And in the same chapter we're looking at today, we, we get an idea of what, what, where the power of that truth comes from and why it's powerful. In Ephesians 1.7, it says, this says this about Jesus. We have redemption in Him through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And so today as we look into our scripture, we're just going to look at two verses, we're going to see Paul sharing with us the power of the truth. 
And we're going to see how the power of the truth has the ability to change a person's life. And so that's why we're going to look in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Now obviously it's because it's called Ephesians. Paul wrote this letter to the church that was in Ephesus. And the town of Ephesus, it was, I mean, it was a big deal. It's, it was a town that had, uh, it was the home to the temple of Diana, which doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but it was, a, it was one of the seven wonders of the world. And so Ephesus, it was, a, it, was a very, it was a tourist destination. A lot of people wanted to go there to see that place. It was also basically the banking center of the Roman Empire. Now, just for fun, if you want to read through the book of Ephesians, you'll see that Paul used a lot of banking analogies in this book. And that's why, because it was a banking center. It's just like basically if you put your money in the bank, you know, it's good there, it's safe there, and it can reap rewards for you. And it kind of makes a correlation. If you put your hope and your trust and your faith in God, in the bank that God has for you, he's like, it's going to be safe there. Uh, the, the truth of God is always true and it will bless your life. And so with those kinds of things in the, in the background here, I just want us to see some things that we ought to know about the truth and why it's powerful and why it can change a person's life. Now, if it's going to do that, if truth, if the truth of who God is is going to make a difference, there's some things we need to know. And the very first thing that we need to know, according to Paul, is this. The truth has to be heard. If the truth is going to make a difference, it has to first of all be heard. Now if you go into verse number uh, 13, Paul said this, he wrote this, he said, in him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him, when you believed, were sealed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. All right, now, I want to start off by asking you all this question. How many of y'all saw the 1999 movie, The Sixth Sense? Have any of y'all seen that? Okay, not as many as I thought. So a lot of y'all have seen it. Now, if you've not seen it yet, then you live in a cave. And so, uh, and so I'm probably I'm going to mess this up for you a little bit. Now, you might remember there's a little boy in the movie, and in the movie, let me ask you all, what, what did the boy, what did he see? Dead people, all right, so that, which is weird. So he saw dead people, he could talk with them. Now there was a child psychologist in the movie, it was Bruce Willis of diehard fame, and so he's a child psychologist, and uh, he's trying to help the kid out, trying to help him through this whole thing of seeing, seeing dead people, being able to communicate with them. And so I remember the first time I watched that movie, went all the way through the movie, and then I get to the end of the movie, and there's a huge discovery you make at the end of the movie. Y'all remember what it was? Bruce Willis was dead. So that's the, if you've not seen the movie, I, sorry. Uh, so Bruce Willis is dead. Okay, now that changes everything about that movie. I went back, I watched it again. Any of y'all do that? I went back and watched it. I was like, oh my gosh, how did I not see this? So you watch, but that piece of information changed everything about that movie. Now the same thing is true when it comes to the scripture that we're looking at. Information is powerful, but in order to have the right information, it, it has to be shared. It has to be known. Uh, Paul knew this. That's why Paul wrote in Romans ten fourteen. But how can they call on him, Jesus, in whom they believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear 
without a preacher. Now, the word preacher just simply means a messenger or a herald. Now, at Village Church, you know, I, I am like, at the church here, I am the resident preacher, right? So my job is to tell y'all, this is what the Bible says. So I'm supposed to share that news. But did you know, I, I'm not the only one that's supposed to do that. You are too. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a job to share the truth so that other people can hear the truth. You know, before Jesus left earth and ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, he didn't say preachers, told his disciples this, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus said our job is to teach people what Jesus had to say. Teaching means sharing. Uh, whenever Paul wrote the epistles in the New Testament, you'll see over and over again, he's, he's, he's just trying to get as many people as possible to hear the good news of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus brings salvation. Uh, the word salvation, it just very simply, it means deliverance. Now, deliverance from what? Well, in, in, our, in the secular world today, you can look out and you can say, man, we, we need deliverance because we live in a world that oftentimes, it just, seem, it just seems hopeless. I mean, I would encourage, if you watch a lot of news, quit doing that. Uh, because you can watch it and what you're going to have is just going to have a sense of weight on you. And you're going to look and think, man, there is no hope for the world in which we are living. And I can, I can find myself getting caught in that trap as well. And I look at our world and I see, you know what, right now, we are living in a time, it's just very confusing right now. And we are confused about so much stuff. We're, we're confused about, you know, what, what is truth? I mean, people are very confused by that. You know, you have your truth and then there's my truth. And then I'm confused, like, well, then what is truth? So we're confused about that. We're confused about gender. We're confused about when does life begin. We're confused about is there such a thing as evil? Is there good? And then I read the scripture today and I say, you know what? We, we are living in confusion. I really believe this because not enough people have heard the truth. There's a lot of people that are living in confusion because they don't even know what the truth is. You know, that's our job. Our job is to share the truth. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to believe what we say or agree with us, but that's not, that's not our job. Our job is simply to share. And there are people who are, who are living without hope right now because they don't know about the hope of Jesus. There are a lot of people who are living in guilt right now because they don't know the freedom that Jesus can bring into people's lives. That there are people who are living now and you're worn out and you're tired, but they don't know the truth of Jesus. I mean, think about these words that we can share with people. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Does that sound good to y'all? I'll give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, now, I want you to think about this for a second. If you know the truth, then just reflect a little bit. Who shared that with you? Who, who told you about the truth? You know, and I, I, can, I think in my life, my mom and dad told me about the truth. 
And, and when they told me about the truth, I heard the truth. And it is a truth that has changed my life. And I am forever grateful for that. But if you want the power of truth to impact your life and other people's lives, first of all, that truth has to be heard. Now, here's another thing to know about truth, and that is this. But the truth also has to be believed. And, and you can see that if you go back to verse number 13 again. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him when you, and here's the key word, when you believed, it says that you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So for the truth to have power, to take effect in a person's life, it has to be heard. People have to hear it, but then after they hear it, it then has to be acted upon. You have to believe in it. And whenever you do that, that is when it has effect in a person's life. I mean, you can hear things, but if you never apply what you hear, how much power does it have in your life? How much impact does it have? Well, it, it doesn't have any. And did you know that the demons in the Bible, that, that, that they, heard, they knew the truth? Uh, James 2.19 says, you believe that God is one, you do well. It says the demons also believe and they shudder. Now, what's, what's the deal with that? You know, they, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, so what's the problem? And I, Y'all, there's not going to be demons in heaven. So, so what's the deal? Well, the, the, the deal is they, they knew, they heard, but they did not entrust their lives and depend upon Jesus. You see, for, for the truth to affect your life, you have to believe it and place your hope and confidence in it. Now, let me give you an example. There's an Olympic archer. He's a gold medalist for the United States. His name's Daryl Pace, and he put on an archery exhibition in New York City. And so there's ABC news crew was there. Um, you can pull up and watch it. And so he's, he had all these targets around. He's got his bow out, and he's shooting. I mean, he's, he's hitting the bullseye every time. And so everybody's really impressed. Well, that's really cool. He's, he's really good. And so, but then he, he ups the ante. He said, I'd like for somebody to come um, from the audience to come up here, and I'd like for you to hold an apple in your hand and hold it waist high, and I'm going to shoot that apple out of your hand. So everybody's excited, and then he says that. kind of gets quiet. I don't know if I won't do that. Well, Josh Howell, who is an ABC reporter, volunteered. And so he walks out there, and they put the apple in his hand. He holds it up, and uh, Daryl Pace steps back. It's it's a 30-yard shot. Y'all, I I can't even imagine. And so it's a 30-yard shot. He's got this apple in his hand. And uh, so the the cameraman's there. He's filming this, and, and he pulls back the bow, and he lets the arrow go. And it hits Josh Pace in the neck. I'm kidding. And he lets the arrow go. And, it, and the apple explodes out of his hand. Didn't even touch him. And so, I mean, everybody's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's super impressive. Now, everybody's excited, you know, uh, Hal sitting there like, wow, until his cameraman walks over. And his cameraman says, uh, Josh, I hate to say this. He said, but I had problems with the viewfinder, and I didn't get it. He said, could you do that again? Now, if Josh Hal really believes, what's he going to do? He's going to grab another apple and do it again. Now, when I talk about belief, and that's, what I'm, y'all, that's what I'm talking about. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to place my confidence in him. Lord, I'm going to put an apple in my hand and let you shoot it out of my hand again. Now, now you may be wondering, well, well how, do I, how do I know if I really have that kind of a belief in Jesus? Well, Jesus answers for us. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, he said, you will keep my commandments. Now, a sign of belief is that you put into practice truth, 
right? I mean, you don't just talk about it, you live it. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, you shall know them by their fruits. So if you desire for the truth of the gospel to take effect in your life, then you demonstrate that belief by living it out. Now, I know a lot of people have really good intentions. Yeah, I'm going to exercise more this year. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be so mean this year. I want to be generous this year. Now, all those things are good things, and those are, yeah, intentions are great things because they don't mean anything until you put them into practice. You're not going to experience the power until you put it into practice. Same thing's true with the gospel. So for, for the power of the truth to take effect in your life, you have to hear it, and then you have to, yeah, you have to practice it. You have to put it into practice. You have to believe it. But then here's the last thing, and it's this. And whenever you do those things, you're going to discover the truth is guaranteed. There's a reward that comes with the truth. Verse 13 and 14 again. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him when you believed, it says you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Now, you know, if you decide that you're going to place your life in the hands of something or someone, you want to make sure that they're going to be able to handle it. This happens, and you do this all the time. Uh, whenever you go to the doctor, before you, you know, you allow that doctor to perform surgery on you, you want to know that, you know, like that he actually went to medical school. All right? You want him to have those credentials. Um, if you get on an airplane, you are trusting and believing that the pilot has a pilot's license. So, you, I mean, you're trusting that he does. Uh, and, and I say that because were, I saw a story several months ago. It was earlier this year. There was a pilot in South Africa. His, name was William, his name's William Chandler. And uh, he got in trouble. He had, been a, he had been a commercial airline pilot in South Africa for 20 years. But he didn't have a pilot's license. A long story about how he uh, defrauded everybody in that. But here's how he ended up getting caught. Um, he, they actually asked him to be a pilot. The, the head, he was just a co-pilot. They asked him if he'd be the head pilot in 2004. He said, no, I think I'm just going to continue to be a co-pilot, which was good because he didn't know how to fly a plane. And, uh, so, uh, there, but they got caught because there's one day when the pilot had to leave the cockpit. He said, William, I need you to take over the controls. Uh-oh. Uh, so William takes over the controls, and guess what? He doesn't know how to fly. And so the plane began to fly erratically, and he ended up being found out because of that. So if you're getting ready to fly on a plane, just keep that little story in your back pocket there. But, but I, I think some of us, you know, we kinda, we're kind of afraid that maybe that's what's going to happen with us when it, when it comes to Jesus and, and what he promised. There's a lot of great stuff that's promised in Scripture, forgiveness of sin. There's the promise of, of an eternal inheritance, being able to go to heaven. You know, we're going to have life after death. But then if you're, if you're a little bit of a skeptic, maybe in the back of your mind you're thinking, what if that's not true? You know, what, what if it's like William Chandler, you know, it, there's just, he doesn't really have a pilot's license. He's just claiming to be something that he's not. Well, here's where we can be encouraged because in verse number 14, a couple of words are given to us that are important. It says, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is our down payment. So I want us to focus on the word sealed and down payment. Now, when it says that we have been sealed, and this is for those who have heard the word and then they have believed the word. They're going to follow it. You are now sealed. What does a seal do? 
Well, in Paul's day, a seal was a sign of ownership, and it still is today. Um, if, if you, uh, if, you know, if, uh, where, where I grew up, uh, we saw a lot of cattle. And so the people who owned the cattle, one thing that they would do is they would brand their cattle. Now, what's the purpose of the brand? It, it's to show to whom the cattle belongs, right? And you look at, oh, he, he belongs to someone. Now, when you, when you entrust your life to Jesus, did you know that you have been sealed? It means that there is a sign that shows that you belong to God. We're told this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and 20. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And he tells us, you are not your own, for you have been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God or glorify God in your body. Uh, A seal also will demonstrate, when you're sealed by God, it it demonstrates security, demonstrates quality. Uh, If you go to the store and you buy a package of meat and there's a seal on it, it says FDA approved. What does that mean? It means you can eat that meat knowing that it is not contaminated. It's good. Okay, so that's what that's what God does for us. He seals us, saying, You were not contaminated. You are good because He has placed a stamp on your life. But He also, that seal also gives you access. How so? When you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, you now have access to enter into God's presence. Ephesians 2, 17 and 18 says, When the Messiah came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So the Holy Spirit gives you the credentials that you need to enter into the presence of God. I went to a golf tournament with my dad, I guess a month or so ago. We went down to Hilton Head to the Heritage. And to get in, you had to have a badge. And that badge that... I have access. Now, if you didn't have the badge on, you couldn't get in. Now, don't you think, if you have to have credentials to get into a golf tournament, does it make sense to you to think you'll have to have credentials to get into heaven? It it makes sense to me. Well, who gives us the credentials? Well, we were told that God has given us the Holy Spirit, and he's given the Holy Spirit to us as a down payment. Now, y'all know what a down payment is. You put down, you have a down payment, it's, it's like a promise that you are going to actually fully purchase that which you're buying, maybe your property, your house. Now, now what happens if you default on the down payment? You, you, you uh, default on buying the property, you lose your down payment. Well, well, God has given the Holy Spirit as a down payment saying, I'm going to keep my promise and I'm going to bring you to be with me forever in heaven. Now you might say, well, how do I know that I really have the Holy Spirit? I'm a follower of Jesus. How do I know he's really with me? Well, well think about the, the role of the Holy Spirit according to what Jesus says. Jesus says the, the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of sin. Jesus said this in John 16, 8. When he comes, the Spirit, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. So if you fall under conviction of sin... You step outside of God's guidelines for living and you are convicted, that's a sign of the Holy Spirit working in your life. That is a good thing. Now, if you do things that are contrary to Scripture and you have no conviction, you need to rethink about who to whom you belong because that is the job of the Holy Spirit. He will convict you of sin, but he will also walk with you in this life. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John 14, 16 and 17. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him 
because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, the word counselor says Jesus said he will give you another counselor. Counselor means one called to the side of another. What does that mean? And the Holy Spirit, when you belong to God, the Holy Spirit walks alongside you. Well, how's that help me? I don't, I mean, I don't see him, never felt him. What does that mean? Let me try to give you an example. Um, I, I enjoy, I've told you this before, I enjoy fishing, and, and I like to fish downtown at the rivers. Um, I'm not going to tell you where because I don't want you all going down there. But um, there's a, uh, there's a, we have a resident fisherman in our church. It's Will Bonneville. Um, so Will's at the back right now. So Will, wave at everybody. So Will's back there. And uh, Will, I will go with Will because Will knows the river. And some of the good places to fish down at the river, you know, the water level fluctuates. And so sometimes it's kind of deep. In some spots there's holes in the river. There's, there's all these rocks down there. They're slippery. And so Will knows the river really well. And so he has... He probably, he'll probably take you down there for free. And uh, so whenever he goes down there, I let Will lead the way because he knows the river. And so I'll just follow him, and I'll see where he steps, and then I'll step where he steps. And if I ever feel uncertain, which is pretty often, um, I, and I, you know, I can feel like I'm slipping, I'll just grab onto Will. And, and, it gives me, and it gives me stability. And so I have kind of, and I don't think he likes that, but I don't care. And so uh, I play the boss card. And so I'll just kind of I'll just kind of grab onto him and hold on and then I and then I have my footing. But when he's there, I don't. I, I, you can ask him. I don't go down there by myself. Uh, but when he's there, I will. And I'll go certain places that I would have never gone. But when he's there, because he knows it, I have confidence. Okay. So here's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the same kind of thing. You can walk in really deep waters. And really slippy, slippery areas of, of life that, that make you nervous. And you say, you know what, God, I, I am nervous here, but I'm going to believe what your word says. And Holy Spirit, I am calling out to you to just hang on to me. And here's what I discover. Peace. Whenever I am hanging on to the promises of God, even when I am doubting, I say, Lord, I'm just going to believe you and I'm going to trust you. And God gives me sure footing. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. But, you know, there's a lot of people that miss out on that because they, they don't know the truth. So, so for the truth to make full impact in your life, for us to experience its power, there's some things we need to know. The truth has to be heard. So Christians, our, our job is to share truth. And then the truth, and once people hear it, once you hear it, then there's another step, you believe it. Entrust yourself to it. So, Lord, I'm scared, but I'm going to believe it. But there is a reward that comes with the truth. That, that truth is guaranteed. What the truth will do is guaranteed. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. When God says he will forgive, when God says he will provide heaven, when God says that he provides a peace that's beyond all understanding, it is guaranteed. There are a lot of people looking for truth. Jesus said, I'm the truth. He said that in John 14.6, so if you want to build your life on a solid foundation, you have to build it on the truth of Jesus. He is the only truth that there is. It is only his word that will stand the test of time, the, the stand of, of shifting and changing cultures. He is truth. So the big question for you and for me is have you accepted that truth? Are you banking your life on it? Because it is the only sure thing 
that there is. Now, I'd like to close the service in this way. If you just, if you just bow your head and close your eyes, and it could be this, and, and we do this pretty often here. It could be that, that you're a person today who says, you know what, I, I have heard the truth, but I, I, I haven't acted on it. I haven't believed in it. Well, you can today. And so I just want to encourage you, if you say, I would like to do that today, just between you and God, you can talk to Him and just simply pray to Him and say, Jesus, today, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that when you say that if I confess my sin to you, that you will remove it as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I'm believing that today. So God, forgive me. You can tell him today and say, Lord, as I know that the Bible says that you gave your life for me to pay for my sins and that you rose from the grave three days later that I might conquer death as well. Jesus, I believe that. And I will follow you. Jesus, save me. Rescue me. And if you prayed that or something like it, let us know. Open your bulletin up. There's a little contact form in there. You fill that out and tear it out and put it in the box that's at the back as you leave here today so we can get you some information about how to grow in a walk with Jesus. Maybe there are others of you and, and, and you've experienced the truth of Jesus in your life, but you know that you have friends and you have family members who need to hear the truth. You need to be that messenger for them. So why don't you just simply pray and say, Holy Spirit, you've been given to me as a guarantee, as a down payment. I'm just, I'm just going to lean on you. And I'm going to pray and ask that you'll give me courage to share with my family member, with my friend, with my neighbor what Jesus means to me. people are going to experience the power of truth, they have to hear the truth. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will give us boldness, that you'll give us, that you'll give us a conviction in our heart that people need to hear the truth like we've heard it. Lord, we thank you for those faithful messengers in our lives that have exposed us to the message of Jesus. Lord, I pray that there would be a day when there will be people in the future who will give thanks for us because we shared the truth. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.